Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is um, Friday. It's Friday, May the 5th. That's Cinco de Mayo. I guess there'll be some celebrations today. Some of you will be having some cervezas and margaritas, and that will be the total extent of your Spanish. Today's episode is about the seditious conspiracy. We've been hearing a lot about that in the federal courts. We've been hearing that there are Oath Keepers and there are Proud Boys who are being convicted of this seditious conspiracy. I want to dig into what is that that thing. And I also want you to ponder the following. The left is famous, absolutely famous, for projecting. And projection is when you look out and you see your tormentor and you ascribe all of your faults and failings to them in exactly the same way. So... Are we seeing the projection of seditious conspiracy? I named this article or this episode when the investigators are activists. We're going to be talking about how that is the case and who the investigators are. And in my belief, that's not just the mainstream media who used to actually investigate things, but it is, in fact, the federal government and sometimes even local and state governments are involved in this sort of activist moves. I want to welcome all of you that came in here from the Dark Delight podcast in the chat. Very happy to see you all. Thanks so much. If you want to hit that comment and leave something, if it hits you while we're talking about it, please do, and I will address it later. Uh, give us a, a like on the Rumble channel. Folks, if you are not listening to us live on Rumble, you can always join us at 9.30 Eastern Time. That's 8.30 in Texas, America. If you don't know why we call it Texas, America, it's because you've never been. I was just having this conversation with Steve Gray, who's a former uh, FBI agent, a retired guy, and a former guest of the Kyle Serafin show. And we were discussing something about uh, you know living in Jersey and some some of the tyranny that he has to deal with. He actually has some space to breathe, so thank God for him. But uh, he was talking about you know he could sell his house and what would it buy him in Texas? And I said, well, it depends on where you go in Texas. But there are places in Texas where you could go buy you know twenty to fifty acres and a beautiful house for whatever you would dump, whatever the places you're living in Jersey. So uh, not trying to recruit people to the state of Texas, although I've been here and I've moved here seven times. I first moved to Texas when I was in third grade, and my family actually has a certificate from government, uh, Governor Ann Richards as an honorary naturalized Texan. All right, so there's that. So today we're going to get started off with a little bit of kind of warm up, something that got me bothered. I think a lot of this is going to get you riled up. So if you haven't done your workout for today, you can take this podcast with you for the workout. It's uh, It got me hyped up and I haven't done my workout yet either. I made the sore mistake of doing that uh, Wednesday show. I went out for a run and then I jumped on and did a TV hit with, um, with Emerald Robinson, who's a good friend of our show and has been very gracious to me and the other suspendables. And, uh, and I was still sweating. I had a towel sitting next to me and then I had to go with the live stream and it was pretty wild so anyway uh welcome to all you in the live chat here we go let's uh let's talk about our first issue today and this issue is something that was brought to our attention by our guest from wednesday this is the officer down memorial page it was one of the really really good things that happened uh at the fbi academy is that they made us look at this page on a daily basis to recognize that the brotherhood of law enforcement loses somebody almost every single day and the Brotherhood, Sisterhood of Law Enforcement are people who, generally speaking, do have the potential of putting their life on the line. I really hate the idea that we're talking about that people in the FBI are putting their life on the line every single day. That's false. It's it's absurd. And I keep seeing senior leadership in the FBI trying to, to move that narrative. Uh, but local cops definitely do. And sometimes, and especially during that time when, when folks were being asked to do something that isn't good, uh, for example, the federal air marshals flying when they had covid not good for so many reasons. You get something like this. I'm going to just pay a little bit of tribute here. This is something that, uh, that Sonia brought to my attention, and uh, I'm going to show you a video that made me cringe as well, which is why I tweeted it out. This is Senior Federal Air Marshal Kenneth Robert Meisel. He died as a result of complications after contracting COVID-19 on a presumed duty exposure. I've been told that that was 100% the case. And for those of us that were working during the COVID shutdowns during 2020 and 2021, uh, and doing all of our normal jobs, like probably most of you did, because most of the world didn't stop, even though the federal government did. Um, this guy's death is really tragic. He was a U.S. Army veteran. 
He served in the air marshals for 18 years, was just close to a retirement check and uh, was assigned to the Minneapolis field office. He previously had been a police officer in Shawnee, Oklahoma uh, for eight years. So an Oklahoma police officer on the local level, this is the kind of person that I wanted to serve with people that served as local police officers, people that enlisted or served in the, uh, the armed forces, and then went into federal service knowing exactly what that oath of office meant. And it sounds like from uh, all the descriptions of his friends that, that Ken Meisel was one of those guys. He survived by a wife and five children. Um, he passed on September 9th of 2020, which is to say that he was flying with COVID, just like we talked about on Wednesday's show. Uh, and while that was happening, I'm going to contrast it with um, with a video. Actually, I didn't leave the video up, so we'll just leave that alone for right now. I contrast it with a video. I'll, I'll encourage you to go to my Twitter feed. If you look at the media tab, there is a video that I posted of the people who are assigning Americans to that list of January 6th domestic terrorists. They're called the Incident Coordination Section. And they made a video, a cutesy video, just like you saw all those nurses dancing. And there's a cutesy video of them throwing objects from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen. And the person catches it from the left to the right. And they're drinking beers. And they're smoking cigars. And they're sitting at home on telework. And they're hitting golf balls in their backyard. And they're doing workouts. And all the things that people did when they teleworked when they weren't actually working for the federal government. Meanwhile, Ken was doing his job trying to keep the skies safe. And um, whether you agree with that mission or not is totally irrelevant because uh, I can I think you can see from the guy's resume that he believed in this country and he believed in America. And he's no longer with us because of that. Meanwhile, his colleagues who were keeping the ball moving is what the, the video was about. were happy to have a cigar and a beer while they were getting paid. Probably the same amount as him. Really disgusting stuff. That should enrage you. And the rest of the show probably is going to do the same thing. All right. Let's uh, dig into the, some of this stuff. Uh, I really appreciate uh, Sharon. She's in the chat right now, and she's rolling you all up and asking you to hit those those buttons, and I do appreciate that sort of thing. Let's start right here with the Attorney General of the United States. Let's start with the Attorney General and some silliness that he has to say. If you guys can't hear the audio, make sure you let me know, but it should be working here. We're going to hear 35 seconds of my buddy calls him the elf. He may or may not be an FBI employee and calls this guy the elf. Uh, we like to refer to him as the general because for some reason they keep calling him that in Congress. Merrick Garland, Attorney General of the United States, um, disregard the funny tweet. This was just the easiest place to find the video. So here we go. This is what he had to say about the most recent seditious conspiracy charges. We have secured the convictions of defendants who obstructed the certification of a presidential election as well as the subsequent criminal investigation in the events of January 6. And now, after three trials, we have secured the convictions of leaders of both the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers for seditious conspiracy, specifically conspiring to oppose by force the lawful transfer of presidential power. Our work will continue. Yeah, we know. We know it will. And they will continue doing this work as they have told you there's no reason for you not to believe the DOJ when they say, here's the deal, we are going to go after another thousand defendants. And uh, if you don't believe them, then that's foolish on you. And unfortunately, they are going to continue locking these people up. And we talked about the case of Jared Weiss. Look, Jared Weiss may have said some awful things on January 6th, but that doesn't mean that he warrants prosecution under federal charges especially when it's a misdemeanor, which has historically been beneath. And I say that again, it has been too small for federal law enforcement to consider misdemeanors. They don't have the time for that. Um, and as, as predicted, those of you in the chat right now are riled up about Merrick Garland. I think that's appropriate. I want to pivot over to a, uh, a two-month-old Joe Rogan episode. As you know, we don't always try to bring you the newest news. What I try and bring you is perspective on what you're hearing in the rest of the media. So this is a little piece that uh, some of you may have seen if you follow Joe Rogan. And if you've seen this clip before, then you can just watch it again for us. But what he's talking about, this is Matt Taibbi on the Joe Rogan experience. And when you see me looking over to the left, by the way, that's where my other screen is. So that's what I'm looking at. And uh, Matt Taibbi is explaining something that he and I have talked about long form, hours of this. And I think he has a very, very good grasp. And he says it in a really good way. So I'm going to get another voice on. And here we go. This is uh, Matt Taibbi saying his piece. Let's see if we can make that. There we go. Make that a little bigger. And let's play this one. 
So, th- so this is another topic that is fascinating because it hasn't gotten a ton of press. But uh, if you go back all the way to the early 70s, the, the CIA and the FBI got in a lot of trouble um, for various things. The CIA for assassination schemes involving people like Castro, the FBI for, uh, you know, uh, COINTELPRO and other programs, domestic surveillance. And they made changes after congressional hearings, the church committee, uh, that basically said, the FBI, from now on, you have to have some kind of reason to be following somebody or investigating somebody. You have to have some kind of criminal predicate. And we want you mainly to be in investigating cases. But after 9-11, they, they peeled all this back. There was a series of attorney general memos uh, that essentially refashioned what the FBI does. And now they don't have to be doing crime fighting all the time. Now they can be doing... Uh, basically 100% intelligence gathering all the time. They can be infiltrating groups for no reason at all, not to build cases, but just to get information. Um, and so that's, that's why, that's why they're there. They're like, they're, they're in these groups. They're, they're posted up outside, outside of the homes of, of people they, who they find suspicious, but they're not building cases. And uh, they're not, they're not investigating crimes it's sort of like Minority Report, yeah. right? It's- That's as much as I want to do because then it starts getting into the typical Joe Rogan where they swear a little bit and we are keeping this thing family friendly. So there's a hundred percent, there's a hundred percent accuracy in what he is saying. And the fun thing is when you tell somebody something and you talk to someone like Matt Taibbi, who has such a penetrating capability to look at information, view the world and take that information in and then throw that as a lens and does it line up and does it not? And in the case of our conversations, he was a hundred percent sure that what we were saying was true. And what he said to me, and this is something that will stick with me for a very long time. And at some point, maybe he will actually have time to do this story because it's been pretty wild. He's actually writing this story, although it's not specifically about the FBI. It's obviously bigger than that. When you look at the Twitter files and things that, uh, that run parallel to it. But what he said is, is how is this not the biggest story in the country right now? And my response to him was, it is. You just haven't written it yet. And I still stand by that belief. This is the biggest story in our country. It may be the biggest story in my lifetime that the FBI has pivoted back to the prohibited activities, the things that Americans gave up their lives. I see um, Eric is in the chat and he's talking about that people fought in the sandbox and you know they gave up parts of their body and some of them gave up their lives. They certainly gave up their comfort and they missed birthdays and, and uh, holidays and stuff with their families, with their kids, the, uh, the birth of their children sometimes in order to keep this thing going on. And they, they did it for what? Like what, what are we looking at right now in this country? And what we're looking at, I think, is the leftist projection, the, con- the seditious conspiracy that is ongoing. So I'm going to bring on the uh, the U.S. code that these words, the uh, words like treason and conspiracy and sedition, they have meanings. They have meanings under federal law. So let's find out what those meanings are altogether. I'm going to read them to you because I think it's relevant to actually have our words have the specific meanings. They're bandied about too frequently, and that's left and right. People are far too happy. They are far too happy to send this stuff out into the world and say, well, this person is committing treason. Well, are they? Do you even know what the statutes are? It's another thing. I always hear people saying things about murder, like this guy murdered somebody. Well, murder has a definition. Is it negligent homicide? Is it manslaughter? There's a lot of different specifics that we tend to see people gloss over. And that includes federal agents, includes attorneys, it includes politicians. They're very quick with the words, but it'd be worthwhile for them to spend a little bit of time looking at what the code says. All right. This is 18 USC. Uh, United States Code. Title 18 is most of the criminal statutes that you are familiar with under criminal law. There's also Title 21, but Title 18 has a lot of the stuff that you're going to be seeing in federal court. There's a couple of them that have been charged now under Title 40 for the uh, Proud Boys trial and the Oath Keepers. But um, 18 USC, this is 2381, treason. It defines what the statute is regarding treason. It says, whoever owing allegiance to to the United States. So this is a person that you can't commit treason if you're not a U.S. citizen. You can't commit treason if you don't owe allegiance to the United States. And there may be some litigious answers to what that means. I have to imagine that you probably have to have an oath of some kind. 
I don't know if you owe allegiance as a citizen. So there, there's some questions there that I'm not qualified to answer. But it's worth noting that all these clauses have meaning. They all mean something. Um, whoever owes allegiance to the United States levies war against them or adheres to their enemies, also very specific, giving them aid and comfort within the United States or elsewhere is guilty of treason and shall suffer death or shall be in prison not less than five years and find under this title not less than 10,000. Okay. So, and then it says, and shall be incapable of holding office in the United States. This is the one they love because if they could get a treason charge under someone like a Donald Trump, then they could keep him away. So, Look at look how intense that is, by the way. Guilty of treason shall suffer death or be imprisoned for not less than five years. So either die or you'll do five years in prison. That's kind of intense. That's a that's a statutory minimum of five years. That's that's the same. Um, that's that's the maximum charge you would get if you fired a laser at an aircraft. I just happen to know that one off the top of my head because I had to charge that once or we were looking at charging it rather. So five years in prison is actually sort of, you know, it's not quite commensurate with the death penalty. Uh, so there are obviously degrees to which treason could be committed, and then the fine should be not less than $10,000. Uh, it's worth noting that we have not seen any treason charges, but it's one of the things that has been bandied about, right? There's another uh, piece right here that talks about the misprin uh, misprison of, of treason. I'm going to skip over 2381. We're going to go right to rebellion or insurrection because that's been bandied about quite a bit too. And then the next, the next statute actually is the next section is seditious conspiracy. Rebellion or insurrection. Whoever incites, sets foot on, uh, sets on foot, assists or engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof, or gives aid or comfort thereto, shall be fined under this title or in prison not more than ten years or both, and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. So. Let's look at the pieces of what an insurrection looks like. They have to, first of all, define insurrection. I'm sure that is actually defined by statute, uh, engages in rebellion. And and where did these statutes come from? We actually are going to talk about the historical, uh, the historical establishment of these things because it's relevant. And it also says that if they're going insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof gives aid or comfort thereto, and they could be fined, again, in prison, not more than 10 years. So a maximum of 10 years in this case. Seditious conspiracy, we'll do that one too. And then we'll talk about all of them. Seditious conspiracy, middle of your screen right now, 18 USC 2384. If two or more persons, so the conspiracy have to be two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States, conspire to overthrow, put down, or to destroy by force, the government of the United States, or to levy war against them, or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof, they shall be fined under this title, or imprisoned not more than 20 years, or both." So rebellion or insurrection holds a uh, not more than 10 years. Seditious conspiracy, which means you didn't even actually do it. You just planned it. That's a 20-year penalty, up to 20 years. Eric in the chat is saying that these statutes are awfully vague, and there is no question about it. These words all have to have meanings. They all have to be decided by the courts what they mean, and they are, in fact, quite vague. And what's interesting is, is that rebellion or insurrection is actually a lower charge than seditious conspiracy. So they continued to call this thing an insurrection, and yet they went out and accused seditious conspiracy. The thing that I think is quite interesting is by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States. Is that not what Antifa was doing? Is that not what was going on in Portland, in Seattle? Has that not been going on with the Antifa types, the political left, that are doing these sort of shock troop actions where they are trying to shut down a federal court? Isn't that the execution of any law in the United States? How about the uh, they were trying to defend and, and keep people from getting into those buildings? And those people were, I would say again, by force to prevent, hinder, or delay. They were trying to do that. But moreover, they were conspiring to do that. 
to destroy by force the United States government. You know, they were all fighting against this. That's what the chop zones were in Seattle. That's what it is when you said that your laws no longer apply to us. I honestly think that these things, once again, are the the perfect projection of this leftist ideology, and they've thrown it up on a couple of groups that I don't think fit the bill. And those bills are the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. So it's worth noting who these groups are. And it's worth noting that as far back as 2017, and it probably goes beyond that, but I had briefings by the Washington Field Office Counterterrorism Squad One. This was the so-called tip of the spear for Washington, D.C.'s counterterrorism task forces. And they gave briefings to new agents like myself about who is the who is the danger in the far right. And this briefing was one of those things where I would have described it as a shotgun blast. If any of you have ever uh, gone to a shooting range and fired against a like a like a cardboard target, it's real specific. If you shoot a shotgun, a lot of people think that they just like you know, explode out of the end of the barrel and they go in all directions. That's not the case. There's a reason why you can actually shoot a bird with a shotgun is because it depends on the choke, right? Which is the, uh, how it tightens down the pattern of the shot that comes out. And this was a shotgun blast from distance with a unimproved cylinder, which is to say the most wide setting of your choke. And it was a, it was just a blast that hit all parts of the target. If you're, let's say at 25 yards, with double lot buckshot, I've done this with the FBI actually. So a lot of FBI agents will even know what I'm talking about. If you stand back there, pump in a shell and rip that trigger and hit the cardboard, it's going to be all over it. It's going to have a 10, 12 inch spread. It's about the size of maybe a, a paper plate, a dinner plate. You can hit all of those things. And that is exactly how this briefing went down. They talked about Richard Spencer who was at the time kind of the, um, the the top end white nationalist threat that people wanted to talk about because he was out there doing this sort of white nationalist movement, which, um, you know, the difference between white nationalism and white supremacy, it's sort of lost on me. It, it's, uh, it's ugly. It's all ugly. It's all racial. And as somebody who's got friends with different color skin, we all share the same values. That's why they're my buddies. So it, I just find it very off-putting. And many of them, most of them served in the military. And if they didn't, then they're civilians who own guns and believe in the same sort of rights that many of you who are listening to this do. It's tough. It's tough to hear somebody say something like, you know, that the the United States is a European-based nation. It's like, mm, I don't know. My wife came from Italy. They weren't considered white people 50 years ago in this country, which is one of the jokes that she and I always kind of bandy about when she gets a tan because she gets very olive. Um this is just, it, it's really ugly because these are the things that I think are antithetical to the conservative position and interestingly enough, have been part of the Democrat position. So political, I don't know if they're the political left or the right or what the heck they were, because I don't know how to describe politics going back before the 1960s. But what I do know is, is that these people um, had a racial tinge to what they were interested in. There's a reason why the Klan was very big in the areas that it was very big, and it was all racial. It was all ugly. And so white nationalists, it doesn't matter if you're Patriot Front or anything else. If you tell me that the United States is based on a European identity, I am not interested in being part of your group. I've had them in my Twitter mentions for the last couple of days. They all want to come and defend their position, that they were mainstream positions uh, pre-1960s. It's like, yeah, but not not my people. You know, we, we believe in the individual. And I'm a, I'm a big, big-time individualist. All right, and I'm going to get off my soapbox with that. So Richard Spencer, white nationalists, um, they included Jordan Peterson in this briefing. They included Milo Yiannopoulos. So now you have a guy who's sort of like uh, on the Nazi side of things or on the, you know, the the white nationalist supremacist side of things. That's kind of a uh, racially motivated nonsense. And then you've got this guy who's a troll, which Milo Yiannopoulos has been trolling people. He's very clever. He's very intelligent. He, my wife likes to watch his stuff. I find it incredibly off-putting because she, he reminds me of one of my wife's friends from, from college, which is probably why she likes listening to him, uh, who's this sort of flamboyant Canadian gay guy a nice person, fun to have a beer with. I don't want to have any discussions with him on an intellectual basis because he comes from this very dishonest place. So that's Milo Yiannopoulos. And then you have Jordan Peterson, who is a psychologist from Canada, who are about the nicest people in the world. Um, most Canadians are so polite. And you know, you see all these videos of, of people shutting things down. Even when they shut things down, like the police are pretty polite. So it's very weird to see someone like Jordan Peterson who simply is saying, take responsibility for yourself. One of his favorite, uh, you know, one of my favorite things, I mean, we have, I think we have two of his books. I'm pretty sure my wife bought both of them. The uh, the uh, the one about uh, religious 
symbols and I, I can't remember what it's called <laughs> to my shame. The other one is called 12 rules for, for life or 12 rules for successful living. Somebody will correct me in the chat here. Um, but Jordan Peterson's book essentially just says, handle the things that you can in your own sphere. Don't try to take on things that are bigger than yourself, which is a big leftist thing. It's like, you can't even get your physical appearance appropriate to go into public and you want to fix the economy or you want to tell people how they should be voting or you want to fix laws in texas when you live in new york like keep it down keep it down over there you clowns uh it's really too much but jordan peterson was on the same list of people as richard spencer that should bother pretty much everybody and they included things like the proud boys and antifa so i wanted to bring up well, I, I don't know why they like to demonize these things, but I, I do think that it is projection. It is, once again, something Proud Boys, we're going to talk about their history a little bit because I've followed them for a while. I think they're very interesting. I, I think they're funny. I mean, I think Gavin McGinnis is hysterical, and I probably would have disagreed with Gavin McGinnis when he was younger, and uh, I don't agree with everything he says now. But, you know, as far as what goes on, pretty ridiculous to to get rowdy about the Proud Boys. Um, you can get rowdy about certain people that that engage in violence if you think that they're instigating it, but the group, like what they stand for? It's not, it's not threatening to me. Uh, let me pull it up here. This is the Southern Poverty Law Center. As you know, it's one of the FBI's no-goes when it comes to listing what you can and cannot investigate. But of course, uh, they took the lead from SPLC. And here you have Proud Boys on their hate watch. I'm going to read some of this because I think it's infuriating. And, uh, and so will you. So it says, the Proud Boys' actions belie their disavowals of bigotry. Rank-and-file Proud Boys and leaders regularly espoud white nationalist memes and maintain affiliations with known extremists. Somebody mentioned the other day, too, uh, I, think it was, I think it was Adam Coleman, who's a, who's a guy on Twitter that I, I follow, and he said, you know, the degrees of separation the so-called took meetings with or, you know, hasn't associated with or maintains affiliations with, it's everybody. Everybody has an affiliation with everybody. I have an affiliation with Ryan Riley who's at MSNBC because I've engaged with the guy on Twitter and he's done stories about what me or my friends have done. You know, does that mean that we're buddies? No. It doesn't mean that we agree on anything. Probably not. Um, although I bet if we sat down, we could find a bunch of things we agree on. That's, that's sort of the nature of how I work. I always find things that people and I have in common. Uh, even if you two turn out to be one of these people that works for the SPLC, I bet you we have some things in common. Like we love our kids and we want them to have successful futures. So anyway, they, they say they, they've maintained these uh, affiliations with known extremists. Their definition of extremists in the Southern Poverty Law Center, pretty suspect to me. It is what it is. Uh, they are known for an anti-Muslim and a misogynistic rhetoric. What's funny is there are entire groups of women that are, you know, Proud Boys supporters. They can't be Proud Boys because it's a men's organization. And so you have these women that are like sort of the, the latch on and they support them as well because women don't mind men that want to hang out with men and say things like that. Um, so... I don't know, misogynistic, whatever. My wife, my wife is uh, my wife and she backs what I'm up to. And I don't say things that are hundred, like I say things like men are men and women are women. Pretty straightforward. Uh, we've established the basic biology in my household. So the Proud Boys have appeared alongside other hate groups at extremist gatherings, such as Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. They love that rally. They just love what happened there. I mean, imagine one day just defining so much. That and January 6th. If you took the Unite the Right rally and the January 6th thing and just held them up, they are the American Rorschach test. In fact, I think the, the treatment of the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville was the precursor to the way that they handled January 6th. The, uh, the media messaging on both of those was so rowdy. And so ridiculous on what it actually was and what it wasn't and what it meant, right? Because that's the thing. They've implied this incredible meaning to include seditious conspiracy that people were trying to overthrow the United States. They got their talking points coming right out of this Unite the Right rally. I'm getting through this paragraph very slowly, but I think it's relevant. All right. Former Proud Boys member Jason Kiesler helped organize the event, which brought together a broad coalition of extremists, including neo-Nazis. They finally got their anti-Semites and militias. These are unrelated groups, unless you're the FBI. If you're the FBI, then militias and neo-Nazis obviously go hand in hand. Um, most of the militia groups that you would talk about, they just want freedom. They want to be able to own their own weapons. They want to be left alone. You know, like the founding fathers of this country, so be it. In fact, that's why they left it in the Second Amendment, saying that there should be the militia, and the militia is everyone. We're all the militia. So, uh, Kessler was expelled from the group after violence and the new near universal condemnation of the Charlottesville rally goers. I don't know. Some of those people sucked for sure. Uh, there's things like alt, you know, the, the whole alt right movement, and in any case, uh, Gavin McGinnis came up with this group called the Proud Boys, and if anybody has ever listened 
to the Proud Boys and listen to Gavin McGinnis talk about founding it. It's hilarious. Um, but let's just do a quick search here. So this is the search history. If you were to pop it in Google, which I love using because just like Bongino, um, I listened to his show for, from yesterday morning and his whole point was that if you are not using leftist media sources, then you're kind of like leaving yourself open to something. And uh, yeah, most definitely. You're leaving yourself open. So, so check out what it says. So you look out Proud Boys Origin. You get Wikipedia. You get the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. You get the University of Maryland. I have no idea why that's there. You get something from West Point. That's kind of funny. This West Point article, that's a, uh, I'm pretty confident that's West Point, the military academy. Pride and Prejudice, the violent evolution of the Proud Boys. You get something from Stanford. You get the Southern Poverty Law Center, 10 things down. Uh, the BBC, who they are, what they stand for. Proud Boys and Antifa. Okay, whatever. Um, all of this stuff. And I wanted to do the Wikipedia page because the Wikipedia page is actually quite funny. So just look at the, they, they condemn them right off the bat. And then if you read down to it, it, none of that makes any sense. So the proud boys are an exclusively male North American far right, neo-fascist organization that promotes and engages in political violence in the United States. That sounds like some real bad guys. And yet and then they go and talk about all these things and, you know, everybody is far right. I like it when, uh, when organizations like daily wire refer to anything on the left as far left or leftist and, you know, far left is really good. So the history and organization talks about Gavin McGinnis. Many of you know, he was a, he was a big lefty. Uh, he founded vice magazine, 1994. I remember hearing about vice magazine when I was a kid, cause I would have been in college. Probably I was probably in high school, I guess. And, uh, my older brother, I got a brother who's 10 years older than me. He's my half brother. And he talks about you know, have you read Vice Magazine? I go, no. And he was exactly the demographic for it. So, you know, I'm 41. He's uh, 50 right now. Right in that age bracket, like Vice Magazine was hitting its stride. He had already gotten out of, uh, he had already gotten out of high school. He was in college or like a young professional. And he referred to it as stories that were on the bloody edge of raw. I remember that just like he was yesterday. He said that to me, Vice Magazine. Do you, you read it? I go, no. He goes, I'll send you one. It's stories on the bloody edge of raw. They just cover like the most raw and wild stuff. It's a bunch of rich party goers that got bored and they started doing journalism. That was the way it was described to me when I was a kid. So, you know, Gavin Newsom was like a punk rock kind of figure in a lot of ways and punk rock in such that. Uh, kind of damn the man, um, save the empire thing. If you guys remember M Empire Records, uh, which is a movie for those of you who are too young or too old to remember Empire Records, it's a great movie. I think John Cusack was in it. So you've got this whole wild take on this group, and and here's how they founded it. This, the, it's they actually quoted in here. The name is derived from the song "Proud of Your Boy," originally created for Disney's 1992 film Aladdin, which is a brilliant film, by the way. That's one of my favorite. Um, one of my absolute favorite <laughs> of the animated Disney movies. I'm looking forward to my kids watching it and being able to get it because Robin Williams is so good, right? So uh, it's coming from Aladdin, but they left it out because they had some changes in the production and they later featured it in a 2011 musical adaptation, which I assume was a like a, a stage show. And that's where Gavin heard this thing that, you know, whatever the song was. And in the song, Aladdin apologized to his mom for being a bad kid. And he promised to make her proud of her, uh, proud of him. And so... McGinnis said he just hated the song. He just hated the way it sounded, but he couldn't stop listening to it. I think we all have one of those earworms. It's like, it's the worst thing you've ever heard. And yet it's always in your head. Um, the Octonauts theme song is always in my head. I, it's my kid, like anything my kids watch, it just ends up in my head. And you probably have the same thing. So he described it as fake, humble, and self-serving because the lyrics basically were just this, this kid, you know, pledging to be proud, make his mom proud which is goofy. And so they just used it because they hated the name. Like it, it was, there was no deepness to it. And so what do they come up with? They come up with these rules to create this organization. And many people may, may not know this. Maybe not, some of you don't know it. It's really funny. If you go down to membership and doctrine, which is under the Wikipedia page here, it says that the total number of proud boys members is unknown. Oh, it's so, so serious. It's because it's a loose affiliation of dudes that show up wearing the same shirt. Um, July 2018, you got the Proud Boys LA branch saying they have 160 members with 300 applicants, blah, 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 blah. Here's the best. Political ideologies and, and positions the Proud Boys in, adhere to include. This is an amazing list. If you're not on this list, get to work. Uh, Anti-communism, anti-feminism, anti-immigration. I would say it's anti-illegal immigration because they, they have a lot of immigrants in their group. Uh, Anti-LGBT rights anti-Semitism. I don't think that's true. Uh, authoritarianism, chauvinism, which they expressly state about their chauvinism, which they call Western chauvinism. And in, in the idea that they are talking about Western society 
is objectively better, or at least in their their opinion. So it's I guess it's an opinion. Uh, Western society is better than all others, and there's some arguments to be made that are highly in favor of that, including everybody who's on the left that benefits from you know capitalism and and uh, the advent of uh, new products and the industrial revolution and you name it, um, including individual rights and you know even Marxism came out of Western society. It wouldn't have existed in anywhere else. They would have crushed it. Crypto fascism. Uh, that's a, that's one of those fun ones. Islamophobia. I don't think that's actually accurate. I think that they uh, are anti, you know, Muslim terrorists, which many people are, including Muslims. And then Trumpism, which is obviously the the death blow for this organization. Um, the the creed apparently four stages of initiation. He refers to it as first, second, third, and fourth degree. If you listen to Gavin McGinnis talk about this, and he's been banned for all this kind of stuff. But end of the day, there are four degrees of being a proud boy, of which a number of my friends who work for the FBI and currently work for the FBI have said because they think it's funny because it's hilarious. Um, and in fact, asked one of us to, you know, punch him while they were naming breakfast cereals, because this is how silly it is. The first order is you have to say, I'm a proud Western chauvinist, which is to say you believe the West is best, which many people do. And I refuse, refuse to apologize for creating the modern world. It is, I think it would be very, very difficult to say that it is debatable that the Western mindset and uh, the post-Renaissance era of Western Europe has created the modern world. All the things that we enjoy today come out of basically uh, Greece and then the modern Western world starting in Europe, coming to the United States, building it up, and accepting, amazingly, accepting people of all creeds, all colors, all uh, different you know national origins and ethnic backgrounds. My next-door neighbor is from Kenya. Super nice guy. Totally Western has Western values, is a Christian, believes in things that, you know, we have, we were a hundred percent on the same page and we had a conversation the first time we ever met, he was carrying a football. This was just a couple of days ago. And we just threw a football back and forth and talked like two grown men. That's a very Western thing to do. Um, I don't know that that happens anywhere else, you know, outside of Western society or would not happen without Western society, really special stuff. Uh, and then apparently in order to become a second degree, you have to name five breakfast cereals while being punched. They claim it to be a pop culture trivia reference. End of the day, they're talking about whether or not you could yell five breakfast cereals because that's funny. It's a funny thing to do. It's the same. And it comes from the the people, if, if those of you remember growing up in the 80s or maybe the 90s as well, the doorknob game, which is when somebody would you know pass gas and then you'd start banging on them on the shoulder and punching them that in the back and the shoulder and the gut and whatever until they touched a doorknob if you yelled doorknob. That's where that comes from. It's, it's totally innocuous, the breakfast cereals thing. It's just silly. It's, a, it's an arbitrary nonsense, right? Um, third is getting a tattoo and agreeing not to masturbate. That's not a terrible thing, honestly. Uh, probably difficult for most men, but it is a thing that, that it leads you to the thing that they think is important, which is to say, can you, can you focus on women and productivity and procreation, which are Western values, often Christian values? You know, it's pretty easy. And then uh, the last one is getting into a major fight for the cause, which is to say throwing punches and things like that. Uh, I, I have no problem with any of these things. I, I cannot, I cannot tell you if that is an issue. But to the left, it is. And you get things like these articles. This comes from the Associated Press. I'm going to flip it over real quick. For those of you that are in the chat, occasionally I can read things. Sometimes I'm on a, a train of thought and I cannot. So just bear with me. I saw what you said, Eric, but I'll have to read any paragraph you guys send is too much for me to be able to do, do live. Um, this is the explainer from the Associated Press. This goes back to January of this year. So this is not new, but it does give you a perspective. The Associated Press was supposed to be, it was supposed to be the sort of, this is the news and there's no opinion involved. It used to be a wire service that just sent out information and then people would write their opinion pieces based on it. Instead, you've got the former Proud Boys national chairman is standing on trial for the most serious charge. The minute that you say it's the most serious charge, that's not objective, I don't think. Um, it's seditious conspiracy, which we just said. It's the same offense that two Oath Keeper leaders were convicted of. The Oath Keepers, by the way, another innocuous group, in my opinion. It doesn't mean that there are not bad people in all groups. However, the idea that you are going to swear your allegiance to say that um, even though you've left the service, whether a law enforcement or military member, and you're going to still uphold your oath, that's the purpose of the Oath Keepers. On its face, it's a ridiculous thing to say that that is a, that is a danger. In fact, that is protecting because part of the oath is, is that you protect the United States for your whole life. Uh, enemies, foreign and domestic. As uh, my buddy Steve Friend loves to say, the oath does not expire until we do. Military veterans know that and feel the same way. That's why they signed up and served. Many of them took significant injuries or lost very, very important parts of their their life. Some of them lost marriages. Some of them lost 
you know, experiences, and they believe in this sort of thing. Call is old-fashioned, but that's real. So this one says that the third trial of the massive prosecution of January 6th, they are correct. It is a massive prosecution, I guess. But that once again, that even that is a charged language. Um, the, the riot forced Congress to adjourn as filmmakers and staff uh, hid from a violent, violent mob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opening charges. So they go on. They're going to talk about Enrique Tarrio. Some of these things actually refer to him as Enrique in quotes because that's not apparently his legal name. I don't know if it is or not, but I've never heard him referred to as Henry Tarrio, but they, uh, they want to go ahead and talk about that. All right. On uh, January 6th, they took aim at the heart of our democracy. You want to talk about somebody um, that is grandstanding. This is AUSA Jason McCullough telling the jurors on the 19th. Uh, this this trial, you know, it went on and on. We've been seeing pieces of it. As my understanding, there was a mistrial. It says, here you go. Here's the description of the people that we just saw convicted yesterday uh, or in the last two days. Tario is from Miami, standing trial with uh, Ethan Nordine from Auburn, Washington, who's Proud Boys chapter president. Joe Biggs from Ormond Beach, Florida, self-described Proud Boys organizer, um, Zachary Real, president from the chapter in Philadelphia, and Dominic Pizzola, Proud Boys member from Rochester, New York. Pretty diverse group of people, literally east to west coast. Um, some of those names are Italian, clearly. Some of those names, unknown ethnic uh, origin. Some of them Hispanic. Let's just, here you go. So this is what they said. Well, what are the charges of seditious conspiracy? I think this is, this is so telling. The AP said this. They said this right here. What is seditious conspiracy? The seditious conspiracy law was enacted after the Civil War, 1865 on. Um, the Civil War, in order to arrest Southerners who might keep fighting the U.S. government. That seems unrelated in all forms. The original version of this law was going after people who had legitimately raised arms against the federal government. And that's the context that we have to consider seditious conspiracy. They're also going to cover some of the things that uh, that went on with the seditious conspiracy and when they was actually successful. So this is actually a great historical perspective, but I don't think it says what the AP thinks it says. I'm going to switch back over to the full cam here. Um, seditious conspiracy events have been rare in recent history, and the charge can be difficult to prove, especially in cases when an alleged plot is unsuccessful. January 6th, for whatever it was, I don't even think you can make a strong argument that it was a plot, although they have. And the reason why they're difficult to prove is because the burden is supposed to be pretty high, and the burden is actually supposed to be beyond a reasonable doubt that no one would believe otherwise. And if there's no one that would believe otherwise... The only place you're going to find people that are going to vote this way is in the District of Columbia, where they are holding these trials, where 95% of the people are completely brainwashed, and they are 100% committed to the federal government's narrative because they rely on the federal government for their existence. The entire District of Columbia, I cannot imagine wanting to live there and thinking it was a good idea. These people are, are living in a place where it is, it is there's just no possibility for that place to thrive without the federal government just sitting there and and all the property values around there in Northern Virginia and in the, the different parts of Maryland, like Montgomery County, they're all inflated and they're only there because people have jobs working for the federal government. They have to. They have to get behind the federal government narrative. And that's why they've said 95% of the people are registered Democrats there. This is the most one-sided place you could prosecute anybody. And honestly, anywhere outside of there, we'll talk about a quick story before we end um, about something that went on in uh, Montgomery County, which is obviously a suburb of DC. Um, I used to live in Fairfax County, which is a suburb of DC, all of that Northern Virginia corridor. Uh, they're a little bit more freedom-minded. Once you start getting further out into the country, you start realizing the, the more space you have between neighbors, the more people start caring about you know, individualism, but it is really a gross and bizarre and totally unified section, which is why Eastern Dip District of Virginia is one of the softest seats to charge anything for the federal government. They know they're going to have friendly juries. They do the same thing in the District of uh, Washington, D.C., which is another very friendly district. And, you know, I couldn't even get a gun charge charged. We couldn't even get somebody who admitted to owning a firearm, who'd been a felon in, you know, in possession and convicted going back to the 1980s on a lawful search warrant where he went in and the guy admitted to owning a weapon or to having a weapon. In fact, there were two weapons and they were locked and loaded next to his bed, which I'm not mad at the guy for having as an American, but uh, look, you're a prohibited person and that's pretty straightforward violations of federal law. Plus you were helping with a PCP ring and they couldn't charge this thing. It went on for over two years. They talked about actually flying me out from New Mexico. It was my first day on the job that I did that search warrant. So six years later, they were still wondering if they were even going to be able to move forward with charges. And as far as I know, they dropped it. 
I don't think I'm going to get a subpoena for me to come and speak, although I'd be happy to if necessary. But the fact of the matter is, is that is a very soft seat for you know real crime. And then these political prosecutions, very easy. Let's uh, let's roll a little bit deeper into this thing. I want to talk about past cases of seditious conspiracy, because the, the elements of this particular crime, we talked about what they look like. I don't think they can meet this stuff. But moreover, let's talk about where it's been used before, because that's what's called precedent, right? So uh, before the trial, so they talked about they've had convictions of the Oath Keepers like Stuart Rhodes and this guy named Megs. Um, also, they were the first seditious conspiracy verdicts in decades. The last time they tried to do one was a militia group that was in 2010. That was unsuccessful. Uh, it says a judge ordered acquittals in the seditious conspiracy charges in a 2012 trial, saying the prosecutors relied on too much hateful diatribe protected by the First Amendment. Oh, how about our freedom to assemble and petition the government for redress? That seems like it's in the First Amendment. Uh, and it didn't prove, as required, the accused ever had a plan, a detailed plan for a rebellion. This is the crazy part, because I think the left has a detailed plan for the rebellion, for the insurrection, for the seditious conspiracy to undermine the United States. I think it's there. We're seeing it in real time. They subjected us to the mainstream media's narrative. They've been doing the Donald Trump bad thing. We've seen guys like Mike Morrell, who's the former CIA director, going to John Brennan, another CIA director, and getting all these dudes to sign on saying that the Hunter Biden laptop case was what? All the hallmarks of Russian disinformation when, in fact, they just were doing talking points. And the, an email that uh, Just the News put out shows us, in fact, that it was it was a talking point literally to help the Biden campaign as they went into the debate stage against Trump. So they had something they could say. And they said, 100 percent, I'm on board. Uh, I was on John Solomon's show last night talking about this. And he said, what do you think about this, this email going out there? And I said, there's a famous quote from George Carlin. Many of you will remember it. And the quote says this, it's a big club and you ain't in it. And if I could do the George Carlin voice, I would do it. But that's what he says. And it's 100% true. You're trying to tell me that these people who had no actual plan to overthrow the government, they actually wanted to implement something they thought was going to be uh, accessible under federal law, which was that they were going to try to use the United States government's you know, delay tactics and so on. And they wanted to go in and just scream about it and, and get Mike Pence to do something. You know, Did people say stupid things? Of course, people, the more you get them together, the dumber they are. But um, pretty ridiculous. And in, in this particular case against this, uh, this Huttery militia, they said that these guys were, uh, do, they couldn't prove that these guys were doing more than just talking and they were actively planning to oppose the government. Look, the guys from the Proud Boys, the guys from the Oath Keepers, some of them brought weapons. And then what do they do? They left them in Virginia because they didn't want to disobey the law in Washington, D.C., which, by the way, is a terrible place to be. That bothers me. That bothers me an awful lot. I'm going to tell you some of the other plots on here. If you see me looking over, I'm just going to be reading from this uh, from this article. It just says, uh, last, the successful prosecution that they had for a seditious conspiracy trial was in 1995. It was against the so-called Blind Sheik. This was Sheik Omar Abdel um, Rahab, what's his name? Rahman, sorry. Uh, Abdel Rahman had nine followers. They were convicted in a plot to blow up the United States nation or the United Nations building, an FBI building in New York, two tunnels and a bridge linking New York and New Jersey. That's a real serious plan. And it involves explosives and it involves trying to take down a piece of government and it involves trying to take out national leaders from all over the world, international leaders of small nationalities. That's a big, that's a big thing. And this guy was an Islamic terrorist, and that's what he wanted to do. So he uh, tried to say that he didn't actually plan the, the attack, that his rhetoric was protected by free speech. He died in federal prison. Okay. I'm always very, very cautious of the idea of pre-crime, but I'm really, really cautious of when it involves things where there's no weapons involved, and we're going to be talking about trying to overthrow the United States government, which has 51% of the military spending for the entire world. That seems like a difficult thing for you to make an argument of. Uh, there's another one. They talk about how uh, there was a seditious conspiracy charge. Uh, people who stormed the Capitol building in 1954. Four pro-independence pro Puerto Rican activists rushed on the building and opened fire on the House floor. Wounding several representatives. So that took place. There was also another former Puerto Rican independence group that orchestrated a bombing campaign that left dozens of people dead or maimed in New York, Chicago, Washington, and Puerto Rico in the 70s and 80s, spent 35 years in jail. Uh, makes sense. And then here's the seditious conspiracy. His sentence was commuted in 2017 by Barack Obama at the end of his term. 
So that's interesting. Why did he get a pass? Now he served 35 years in prison. So that's no, no, that's no easy stretch by any means, but why was that guy let out? And in many ways, uh, the seditious conspiracy has been going on for a long, long time. It's the Marxist takeover of our institutions. It is the leftist agenda that is being pushed uh, in our schools, in, in our mainstream media, and in public discourse, and the overwhelming Overton window movement to the left. It has been going on for a while, a very long while. Um, I'm going to pull up a, a piece here. This is an opinion piece, and this is how you get, this is how you end up in these spots, right? This is the opinion piece. This is coming from, uh, I guess, yesterday. Opinion piece by Eugene Robinson. This is in the Washington Post. Like I said, this is a rage fest, so just get it going. The Proud Boys jury got it right on January 6th, seditious conspiracy charges. I don't know what Eugene Robinson's background is, and I'm not going to look into it right now. But he says, the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. We already talked about that there's a definition of insurrection, and it is in fact a lighter charge than seditious conspiracy. Was not legitimate political discourse as the Republican Party officially wants you to believe. And then he has a hyperlink where they officially want you to have that position. Have you noticed the Republican Party has run away from the J6ers? So I don't know about all that. Um, all right. So it was a violent criminal conspiracy against our democracy, blah, 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 blah. Was it though? Like conspiracy is such a, such a weak, it's such a weak idea. Like if it didn't, there, you can, I don't know that you can actually prove outside of DC with normal people looking at the evidence that there was all this coordination and that they were actually going to try to do something that they were planning on violence per se. I think things got violent. Uh, and they showed this picture of all this tear gas, which I don't think the crowd brought the tear gas, uh, tear gas rather into the, uh, into the Capitol. So you're seeing all these people on the, the Washington post steps, the, uh, the video here, correction, the, the photograph, they are insurrectionists loyal to then president Trump storming the Capitol is what the, the AP photograph says. They're just all in bed on this thing. And like I said, that is, it is such projection to me. Four members of the group, including Henry Enrique Tario, because of course he's not actually Enrique Tario. They're trying to distance him from it, like you know his his Hispanic name because it's fake. Clearly, even though he's Cuban, uh, conditions of you know they were convicted of seditious conspiracy on Thursday, so that's yesterday. Previous trials, six members, another right wing group. At least they didn't say far right wing. Also convict, convicted of the same things. They face up to twenty years in prison. That means three different sets of jurors have concluded that January 6th was no spontaneous riot. It was planned, organized, incited, and led by individuals and groups in a conspiracy against our democratically elected government under what? They wanted to use the terms of our legislation that exists, our constitution, to trigger what they thought was going to be an event that would overturn an election that they felt was falsely, falsely maintained. Really, really bizarre stuff. Anyway, you can read this whole article if you want. Go to the Washington Post. Seek out Proud Boys uh, jury. They're actually allowing this to be read by anybody. There's no paywall there as far as I can sell. And uh, the, one of their biggest pieces is obviously they need Trump. They need Trump to be crushed. I'm not the hugest Trump fan in the world. I'll give the guy credit where it was due. And I can also say a spade a spade. Trump did not incite anything that caused danger. Like you can listen to the words he said. The guy is a politician. He says words like this. You know, Maxine Waters has said far worse. Nancy Pelosi has said far worse. And so he tweeted out, oh, this is the tweet. Here it is. We got him. Big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there. We'll be wild. Yeah, everybody knew. Everybody knew it was going to be wild. Those of us who worked in the federal government knew it was a bad idea to show up, and it didn't stop some people from doing it anyway, and some careers were lost. And we're going to have somebody on the show at some point who showed up because he was interested. Didn't do anything wrong because he was interested in showing up and hearing what was going on. It was a it was a major event that you're allowed to, to go to, except it was on the right. And uh, unlike the the riots that happened six months, eight months earlier, uh, throughout all of 2020, we were watching it happen in all these states. You can't get away with it because you're on the right. Pretty gross, pretty difficult to be part of, pretty difficult to see. Uh, as mentioned, I want to bring up this uh, this sort of where does this all go? There is an article, which I obviously didn't even pull up here. So give me two seconds. I'll pull this thing up. There's a, an article from, from Mike Flynn. It's an opinion piece. There it is. All right. So this is uh, General Flynn's website. It's generalflynn.com. And you can go there. It's written by General Flynn, Michael T. Flynn, the, uh, the retired lieutenant general of the army. And I think this is a really, it's bleak, but I don't think he's wrong. So let's talk at this. We're obviously going to run out of time for some of the things that I wanted to do, but we'll, we'll cover all this stuff. A lot of the stuff is not time-based, so we can talk about it anytime. It says, we're not going to win 2024, but the governors can change everything. Uh, that seems pretty dark. He said, have we lost America to a Marxist communist movement? Are we in an unrecoverable tailspin towards our nation's demise? I've asked these questions because the American left and the Marxist left 
has so corrupted America and its election system that it appears no Republican candidate can win in 2024. There, I said it. It won't happen. Instead, these next two years will not simply be the same as the past two. They will be far worse. This is the seditious conspiracy. I think General Flynn has a lot of things that are on the edge of uh, he's willing to say things that many people feel in the national security space. The guy obviously spent a lot of time around this sort of information, and he knows what he's talking about in many ways. So let's talk about it. He said, indeed, Obama, while hiding his Marxist backgrounds and aspirations, has put time and effort into transforming America by infiltrating the federal government with thousands of socialist ideologues and implementing programs and regulations that target the foundations of America's greatness, its free enterprise system, the First and the Second Amendment, the family unit, free and fair elections, and the rule of law. I agree with all of that. It's very unfortunate. I wanted Barack Obama to be the person that he said he was going to be in 2007 and 2008. I really did. It would have been fine. I was young enough that it didn't matter. You know, I don't even know if I voted. I don't think I was in a place where it would have mattered. I think in 2008, I was living in California, so who cares how I voted? But, uh, I don't think I even was registered. I think I was right in the process of moving from one state to another. And I don't know if I was registered to vote and it didn't matter because California was going to go for Obama either way. Right. End of the day, look at what he did. He turned racial relations back decades. I, I grew up in California uh, in places where we didn't even know anything about race. When I moved to Texas, like the idea of racism was so weird to me. I'd never heard of it. I'd never even thought of it. And it is like front of mind awareness for people everywhere you go now. It's the one thing that we all have to try to avoid. Actually, Dan Bongino's podcast yesterday morning when I was listening, I, I mowed the lawn and I listened to it. And he's talking about how it's one of the nastiest things you can say about someone because not only does it say that you're a lousy human being and bigoted, what it also says about you is that you're stupid because you're not willing to have examine your conscience and examine other people's positions and find out that, hey, we're all the same. In many ways, we're all the same as human beings. So um, I agree. Yeah, racism is a terrible thing to say. And in the meantime, that's what, Obama's legacy is to me. That's what brought back. And they were people who had life-side cutouts of Barack Obama in FBI field offices. That's how infiltrated that ideology went down. Really bizarre, really strange. All right. So the Marxists, uh, sorry, folks, I, I lost what was going on in the uh, the chat here. I'll try to keep up in a second here. But at the end of the day, it's like the Marxist-based goals have now resulted in damage to America that is doubtful we'll ever be able to recover the freedoms and liberty our founding fathers bestowed upon us. General Flynn seems to be correct. Number one, we no longer have free and fair elections. You guys can read this yourself if you want to go to his webpage, by the way. Number two, we don't have a Supreme Court that cares about election fraud. We also don't have an FBI or a federal law enforcement agency that is willing to investigate it. I know that for a fact. It did not happen. They did not do their job. They were either told to stand down or they chose to stand down. But the FBI did not do election fraud investigations in a meaningful way. And the people who wanted to do it got removed because they might be filthy Trump supporters because they didn't go get the COVID-19 shots. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. We can talk about it another time, too. We have this is one of the few things that gets me really hot when you start thinking about the malfeasance there. Uh, three, we have allowed intelligence agencies to work with one party to help deliver an election to its candidate. By literally suppressing the freedom of speech of countless Americans and those agencies have suffered no consequences, I 100%, 100% endorse that statement. That is factual. And you can see it through the Twitter files and you can see it through the lived experience of the suspendables, my buddies who have been trying to get through this stuff. Four, the president of the United States has been severely compromised by our leading adversary and not even the GOP will hold him accountable. Fact check true. Clearly. Number five, we have allowed the weaponization of the federal government to a degree our founding fathers would not recognize. They are rolling in their grades. As the meme says, George Washington, he said, me and my homies would have been stacking bodies by now. That is a factual statement, too. I know we're ending here on a run. I want you to check out this article and see what you think. Um, there's no upside to this stuff other than it can be done locally. He talks about the solution. We may have to wait until another day to do that. In fact, I may record a second podcast and make this come out Monday folks. Uh, you've been listening to the Kyle Serafin show, like I said, running out of time. So I want to just wrap this sucker up. I will be on Timcast on Monday, on Monday evening. Um, Timcast IRL in real life, doing it live, flying to, to DC. So my federal air marshal friends that are going to be following me, feel free to check in. I'll see you on the way to Dulles from Austin, Texas. I'm having to fly out of the closest big airport near me. And, uh, that's the closest one. So I'll see you all on the plane. And, uh, for those of you who want to join me on the web, you can see me there. Monday show may not be live. We may have to tape it and, and do a tape delay. And then I'll be back live again on Wednesday next week. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, please Hit the uh, subscribe button. You can get the uh, notifications. Turn those things on. If you want to join us for the Rumble Chat, 9.30 Eastern Time, 8.30 Texas America, you can uh, check out at all of the people in the chat out here from Jigsaw to Eric. I see uh, Sonia Labosco's in there. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for joining us. I got uh, 
old leather, old leather stocking fan. That's an interesting, scary one. And Sharon Black from uh, Uncovered DC, who's been really great and motivating you all. Thanks for keeping this going. If you guys like what you hear, by the mean, you know, drop a, a like on there. Give me a thumbs up. Uh, put a comment in if you like. I'll respond to a whole bunch of them. And I'm going to read one of the five-star reviews. If you're listening on the Apple podcast or if you listen on Spotify, you can leave us a review there and I will read some of them on the show. Here's what we got from Jim from South Jersey. He said, I would give kyle 10 stars if possible thanks jim that's nice heard him on the dan bongino show and started to follow his podcast superior content best of luck and god bless well god bless you jim thank you for leaving us a fantastic review like so many others we are up to over 415 five-star reviews in only about four months here we're on our fifth month as a podcast it's kind of unprecedented in a lot of places people keep telling me they love what they hear we're going to keep doing it we're going to keep covering these things long form and i hope that you take this ride with us you join us on the way when uh you have a great weekend we'll see you back on monday probably a tape show join me for tim cast and uh let tim you know what you're you like the guest that he's bringing on and i'll see you again live on wednesday folks have a safe weekend Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth at Kyle Serafin.